All right, and we are back once again here with another quick shot on the Climbing the Pocket Network. And here I have two of the, uh, I guess the the most tape savvy, the, uh, the the scouting contingent of the Climbing the Pocket Network has joined me today because we're going to talk about something that uh, you got to put on the tape to really understand what's going on. We're going to get in the trenches. We're going to talk about the O-line because after this draft, that was really the one area where people maybe felt like Rick Spielman could have done more. There were some people who felt like we really should have gone after uh, some more interior offensive linemen. And so I uh, brought Tyler and Matt in here to talk to us a little bit about the guys the Vikings did pick and uh, what they think about them and what they've seen about them from the tape that they've watched. So uh, Tyler, let me throw it over to you first. Uh, I guess before we get going too far, if you could tell the people a little bit about yourself and then uh, talk to me about, you know, kind of high level who the Vikings picked in this draft. Absolutely. Uh, well, I've been uh, doing scouting for a couple of years now, and I've been a diehard football fan since I saw football on TV for the first time at like four years old. Uh, you know, one of the tough parts about uh, watching film is understanding kind of what's going on as far as what teams want to do. And once you kind of have a grasp of that, you can really understand that how these offensive linemen are utilizing what they're supposed to do because you've got some offensive linemen that are super quick which is obviously what the vikings are going for the they have drafted the quickest three cone in each offensive lineman in each of the last three drafts with o'neill bradbury and now ezra cleveland and then you've got some guys who are just maulers and if you watched football in the 90s the absolute best mauler was larry allen of the dallas cowboys he could move mountains for you and just being able to understand what they do and then how it translates to a guy like Dalvin Cook, who's really shifty, and he can just uh, plant his foot in the ground and take off in a hole. Uh, it, it makes it really fun to watch games on Sunday because you have a better understanding of what kind of concepts they're using, and then that you can really think about how they're going to attack throughout the course of the game. Yeah, man, that's awesome. And then uh, Matt, I guess before we get too far into things, uh, Say hello to the people. Tell them a little bit about yourself and uh, what you're going to talk to us about when it comes to uh, some, some offensive linemen. Yeah. Uh, hi. What's up, everybody? Um, you know, my I, I've loved the Vikings my entire life, right? I think the first time I saw them, I was probably about three years old. And uh, my mom is a Dallas Cowboys fan. And my dad doesn't really care about football. But when I saw the purple team on TV, I fell in love with the purple team. So, uh it, it kind of just moved on from there. And then as I started watching more and more football, you know, I got more interested in, in kind of how everything happens, kind of like Tyler and it. I kind of like to break down mechanics and that sort of stuff. So um, I guess if we want to jump into Ezra Cleveland, I think Tyler did a pretty good job breaking down there. You kind of have different philosophies on the offensive line and, you know, the Vikings with Stefanski last year, bringing in Gary Kubiak, we were on, a lot of outside zone, we require a lot of athleticism on our on our offensive line, right? And I think that pops off the tape with Cleveland as soon as you watch him. You can watch him climbing to the second level. Um, you can watch him out in front on screens, that sort of thing. His, his movement skills and his athleticism immediately show up when you're watching it. Um, a couple of other scouting notes I had on him, and part of this is a function of the way Boise State ran their pass game, but in, in the past game, he used a lot of jump sets, okay? So 
there, there are three different types of sets you're using when you're pass blocking as an offensive tackle. One's a jump set where you're going to jump forward and actually try to make contact with the defender first. The other, which Joe Thomas, you know, was incredible at, was a vertical set where you actually move vertically. And then there's a 45-degree set where you move kind of outside. And I, I like Ezra as a jump set pass blocker a lot because I think it allows him – to get his hands on the defender and then he's athletic enough to work with the defender and kind of doesn't let the defender through him. Um, one of the notes that I had on him is he plays kind of high. So he loses his leverage as well. Um, and to be honest with you, 2019, I'm not super in love with the tape. Now, the one thing that you do see, um, I, I think he uses his hands well. He obviously moves well, but I think he has anchor issues. He plays kind of high. He can get knocked back by stronger defenders. Um, but the thing is with his athletic profile and you can go to mock draftable and look it up, but, um, it, it's just absolutely incredible and tackles that are that good. Don't fail. I kind of have the list here, the people he compares to, uh, just in terms of offensive line in general, or Joe Tooney, who obviously many people wanted the Vikings to go get this year, Mitch Morris, Brian O'Neill, Ali Marpet, Taylor Juan. So it's just a, a, a laundry list of great football players right um and then uh, the other thing I actually found out is that for the majority of 2019 he played through a turf toe injury so he actually injured it in the Florida State game and played through it the whole year if you go back to 2018 I think he's moving a bit better in 2018 I think um he's even stronger and more effective in pass protection that year so um I'm I'm pretty happy about the pick he was somebody I thought we might have had to, to take in the first round, which I wasn't in love with value, but by the time he was at 58, I, I, I love the value there. All right. And Tyler, I saw you, uh, you know, agreeing there, nodding your head as, uh, as Matt was talking through some of the things about Ezra Cleveland there, especially when you mentioned that, you know, he had some anchor issues and we heard some of that about Brian O'Neill. So I guess Tyler, if you could tell me a little bit when you're comparing someone like Ezra Cleveland, who's a great athlete, but maybe needs to get stronger to a Brian O'Neill who got the same kind of, Knox criticisms coming in, but was able to translate and has obviously turned into the uh, the best offensive lineman for the Vikings. Like, how do those two compare as prospects for you? Uh, honestly, coming out of college, they're pretty much identical. Uh, Ezra Cleveland is a little bit of a better athlete. I mean, as Matt said, if you go look at the mock draftable spider web, you're talking a 98 percentile three cone, 94 percentile 20 yard shuttle. His broad jump is 90 percent. Uh, he does have uh, 2% hand size, but honestly, if you're able to get the hands on the defender, I don't really care that much about your hand size. His arm length is capable, uh, but uh, the biggest issue with both O'Neal and Ezra Cleveland was that anchor, and the probably the best thing that you can hope for with an offensive lineman if there's any kind of deficiency is anchor issues, because all that means is a summer or two in the weight room, and you just get stronger, because that's all it is, is brute strength. The fact that he uses uh, those jump pass sets, as Matt identified earlier, really helps him because if you can get your hands on the guy first, you can really alleviate a lot of those anchor issues because you can get them off balance and then you can really utilize the, what power you have to get him down to the ground. And then it, if you're just doing something like an outside zone and you're able to use kind of like a, a jump set in the run game and you just get one hand on the outside shoulder and just knock him off balance and then you're going to have uh, ideally Riley Reek come in and take him out and then they can move and move as a Cleveland to the second level and then he can take out a linebacker and then all of a sudden you've got Dalvin Cook 
going off tackle and he can get uh, eight, 10 yards or even bust one out. Uh, Cleveland is a long-term project, but he has capabilities to start day one. You just have to understand that if he's going up against a Khalil Mack, he's going to have struggles because that converting that speed to power and knocking him back is going to give issues. You have guys like Kyle Rudolph, DJ Ham, Herb Smith, just a little chip block, help him out a little bit early on, give him those ideal reps. And I'm 100% with Matt in round one. I would have absolutely hated the pick because this is a true boomer bust player. And with the holes that we had on this team, you need contributors day one who also project out. And we got those Jefferson and Gladney. Ezra Cleveland could be up in the next Brian O'Neill. He could be an absolute home run around two. And because we have a track record developing O'Neill into a guy in year two who got all pro votes, then I have good hopes for Ezra Cleveland to be able to grow as our future left tackle and become a successful player in the National Football League. Well, Tyler, I feel like you might have just answered the next question because as you were going through and kind of imagining what it would look like in your mind, sounded like you already had Ezra Cleveland stepping in right into the left tackle spot, Reef moving inside, and, and you know, the left side of the line is, is set up for this year, and then maybe we figure out what we're doing with Reef as we move into the future. Is, is that what you're hoping for? And I guess, Matt, just follow up on that. If you could let me know what you're hoping the offensive line looks like, especially on that left side where there seems to be so many questions. I think with Reef's skill set, he could transition to guard. I know a lot of Vikings fans just think of the Mike Remmers experiment. Look, Remmers is a right tackle. He's a power mover. He did not have the leverage in order to get down on the inside and play guard. And when you have those issues, you're going to have struggles. Reef, on the other hand, has a lot of good technique. He plays with a solid base, and he doesn't lose leverage battles. He loses to speed rushers. We're going to talk a little bit about that with uh, Blake Brandel here in a little bit because he experienced the same thing. And because he has those issues, but he doesn't have issues with technique, I think he's going to be able to transition well enough into guard. I, and Arisa Hassan has talked about it a little bit too. It's about traits that transition. We talk about it all the time with college prospects. What do they do well at the college level that's going to transition to the pro game? Production is a great thing, but it doesn't always translate. Reef has the skill set to move into guard. He's going to be on the left side. So he's still going to be doing some of the same things with his body. It's not going to be flipping sides of the field where all of a sudden it's going to be like riding through your left hand and going to right with your right hand. So I, I think no matter what, if Ezra Cleveland proved in camp, whatever kind of camp we have, that he is capable of playing offensive line, I think you take the risk, you play him at left tackle, you move Reef inside the guard. Hopefully Drew Samia becomes that right guard. I, we've all heard that the Vikings are high on him. If that is the offensive line going into week one, I'm feeling pretty good about it. I don't feel fantastic because I think Ezra Cleveland still needs time, but it's better than what we rolled with last year with Alpline, and that's an improvement to me. Yeah, so I'm on board with you there, Tyler. Um, I think I, ideally, right, you would like to see Cleveland slot in to left tackle right away and move Reef inside to guard. I agree with you that I don't think Reef has the same technique issues that Remmers did that prevented him from transitioning well to guard. So I think Reef will be fine as a guard. Um, the one thing I would note is that with the shortened offseason, which at the very least we're going to have a shortened offseason, I'm a bit concerned about the Vikings' willingness to put Cleveland in there right away. Um, I'd rather have Cleveland on the outside than move him inside because I think Reef's struggles with speed issues are something that Cleveland doesn't have, and that's something that's going to be relatively unique to being to playing left tackle, right? So I'd rather have the person who doesn't struggle with speed play there. 
Um, I, I agree with you, Samia. Right guard, I have a feeling we might see something where for a few games we have Reef at left tackle and Elfline at left guard. And then after they feel Cleveland's more comfortable because of the shortened offseason, they might kick Reef inside and insert Cleveland at left tackle. Hey everybody, it's Dave here from Good Morning Gallagher. This is the point in this show where we are going to cut it and have part two tomorrow. Yes, that's right. We're going to have part two tomorrow. We'll bring back Jason, Tyler, and Matt to talk about all the other offensive linemen and what they can So we look forward to you coming back tomorrow. And as always, thanks for watching. Hit that like button. Hit subscribe. Ring the bell for notifications. And as always, score!